So today we are continuing our series called With. And in this series, we've been talking about how we view our relationship with God. Because the way that we view God has a profound impact on how we live out our faith and how we interact with one another. And this series is based on a book by a pastor, an author named Sky Jatani, um, and the book's called With, Reimagining the Way You Relate to God. And I'd highly encourage you, um, this is a really great book to read, and he goes more in depth than we've been able to in this message series. And so I'd like to encourage you, um, it's a great book to read, well worth putting on your summer reading list. Now, what we've been talking about in this series and what Sky explains in the book is that there are four default postures of how we tend to relate to God. But each of those four default postures has some flaws with it. And when we move away from those four default postures and into a relationship with God, we start to experience the way that God designed us to live in relationship with him. And we find what we're really looking for when we're stuck in these first four postures. And one of the the themes that's been coming up over and over in this series is that each of these postures tries to deal with the problem of fear in some way. How do we respond when we are fearful of a situation or an event or something that's happening? And so, for example, the life under God posture, where we started this series, the life under God posture deals with fear by saying, well, if we just worship God the right way, we have this bargaining sort of control over God, that if we do things this way, God must do that way, and he will protect us from our fear. In the life over God posture, we think that we can just extract the principles and best practices, and if we follow those, we will have a guaranteed path that gives us success over our fears. Or if we're in the life from God posture, we start to think that God's whole purpose is just to give us things, to give us security and freedom from fear. And it in fact puts us at the center of the cosmos. And then the last of the four postures we looked at was the life for God posture. And this is the posture that says if we are serving God and living our lives completely for God, then God must protect us so that we can continue to serve him and build his kingdom. But each of these postures only gives a little bit of success. It can give us a sense that we are gaining control. But our lives can be consumed with trying to gain control over our fears if we are in one of those four postures. And so Sky describes it this way. He kind of calls it the circle of fear. And it means that in our lives, there's kind of this cycle that whenever there's a danger, whenever something happens that is beyond our control, our instinctual response is fear. And our instinctual way of dealing with fear is to try and gain control over that situation. And we've talked about how in the series that no amount of control will ever give us complete control over our fears. And in fact, this last year and a half has really been an example of that as we have tried to gain control over something that we cannot control. But no matter what happens and whatever level of success we get over fear, there is always some form of new danger. We live in an unpredictable world. There is always something that happens that brings sorrow and suffering and pain into our lives. And that leads us back to fear, which again, our default response is control. And so we end up trapped in this cycle, just going around and around and around. And Sky talks about how the posture of life with God, of viewing the relationship with God as most important, actually starts to give us a path out of this cycle. And he describes it this way in the book. He says, the life with God posture departs from other forms of religion because it accepts this simple fact. Control is an illusion. 
No amount of control will ever be enough to ensure our safety, and no amount of control will ever remove our fears. Now, that may not sound very encouraging, but remember he's saying that no amount of control will ever remove our fears. And so that leaves us with a question. What do we do with our fear when no amount of control will completely prevent us from experiencing fear? What do we do when we have a moment of feeling fear, of feeling scared, of anxious? What do we do in those situations? What can we choose? And so I wanna tell you a story of something that happened uh, about eight years ago. Uh, A friend of mine, and I were going to a conference in Atlanta, and it started uh, with a joke of him saying to me, hey, we're getting an Aston Martin for a rental car, aren't we? And I went, no, 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 not a chance. But then I realized there's a racetrack near Atlanta, and sometimes racetracks have a thing or a business that's there that lets you rent a car and drive it on the racetrack, and sure enough, The day after the conference ended was the only day that entire year that there was a company at the Atlanta Motor Speedway offering a drive exotics program where they had a bunch of supercars that you could rent and take on the track. And so, you know, I said to him, hey, I could get you a ride this way. And so we said, of course, we're extending our trip a day to go and do this. So the day after the conference ends, we drive down to the speedway. And we get there and we sign a big stack of waivers. And then they sit us down and we have about 15 minutes of instruction time. And then they take us out to the cars. And so here's me with the Nissan GTR, the car that I got to drive. And so we have 15 minutes of instruction. We go there, we get in the car, you put on a helmet. And as I'm sitting in this car, I had a moment of fear. I felt overwhelmed. I've never driven a car with 545 horsepower. I've never driven a car with twin turbos. I've never driven a car that can do zero to 60 miles per hour in under three seconds. And I had a moment of feeling overwhelmed and fearful of this machine that I was sitting in that I was about to control on a racetrack. And I don't know if the instructor sitting beside me, the the professional racing driver that was there to coach me, knew that that's what I was thinking. Maybe that's just a common thing when someone sits in a car like this for the first time. And he draws my attention to this little box that he had in his hand that had a cable that went under the dash. And he says, this is the kill switch. If you start doing something dangerous, if you start getting out of control, I'm going to hit this button. It's going to kill the engine. I'm going to grab the steering wheel. There is no way that you can crash. And so as he said that to me, and we're wearing helmets with an intercom system, then he says, I'm going to tell you what to do at every moment on the track. I'm going to tell you when to gas. I'm going to tell you when to brake. I'm going to tell you when to turn in. I'm going to tell you when to hit the apex of the corner and when to exit. And he says, all right, so there's the pit lane exit. Let's head for that and let's go. And so I had this moment of having to choose, am I going to trust that this guy sitting behind me has my safety in mind? And I realized that I could actually give control over my safety to him in that moment. And so we left the the pit box, we left out the pit lane exit and onto the track. And by the time I was on the first corner, I, all my fear of the car was gone. Now it was still a way more powerful car than anything I'd ever driven before. And it was exhilarating to drive it around the track. I would do it again in a heartbeat. And in fact, when my laps came to a close, I really did not want to take the pit lane exit and come into the pits, but I knew I needed to. And so I brought the car in and I parked. And afterwards, I had this thought, what if I had gone there for that experience, but there wasn't a driver sitting beside me? 
What if I had gone there and there wasn't someone sitting there with a kill switch, someone sitting there coaching me, someone there to grab the wheel if I got out of control? I don't think I would have driven that car anywhere near as fast around the track. In fact, I probably wouldn't have driven that car any faster on the track than I could have in my Toyota Camry. Because what happened in that moment is when I realized that my fear that I wanted to have control over if I could surrender that and give that to the driver sitting next to me, to give that to the instructor, I didn't have to worry about my safety. In fact, Sky describes it this way when it comes to our faith. He says, rather than seeking to overcome our fears by seeking more control, the solution offered by life with God is precisely the opposite. We overcome fear by surrendering control, by giving up our need to control every variable of every situation that happens in our lives. And then Sky goes on, he says, but surrender is only possible when we have total assurance that we are safe. We must be convinced that if we let go, we will be caught. This assurance only comes when we trust that our Heavenly Father desires to be with us and will not let us fall. And so what Sky is talking about here is something that the authors of Scripture knew all along. That when we recognize who God is, when we recognize his goodness, when we recognize his love for us, when we recognize that he desires a relationship with us, that he will be with us in every season and situation and moment in our lives. God will not let us fall and be alone and abandoned. That is a message of scripture that gets repeated time and time again. And so when we recognize that posture of life with God, we're not trying to control our we're not trying to control God to overcome our fears anymore. We're trusting God with our safety and security because of his relational love for us. And see, we're not saying in this moment that we will never experience sorrow. We're not saying we will ever experience fear or pain or traumatic events in life. But what we're saying is when we recognize life with God, when we treasure God the way that we talked about last week, we recognize that he will be with us. We find security in life with God because we recognize that we are never alone in life. No matter what happens, we will never be separated from God's love and from his goodness. And this is something that the authors of Scripture kept saying time and time again. And so Paul, who grew up as a Pharisee, grew up as one of the teachers and protectors of the Jewish law, he originally in his life was persecuting Christians. He was persecuting followers of Jesus and trying to make them recant their faith in Christ. And then he has an encounter with God on the road to Damascus that changes his life completely and he becomes sold out for Jesus. He gives the remainder of his life dedicated to teaching people about Jesus, to planting churches, to encouraging churches and church leaders. And one of Paul's goals and desires in life was to get to Rome because he knew that a strong church, a strong Christian community in Rome would have an incredible influence on the rest of the world around them. And so Paul, before he could go to Rome himself, he writes uh, what's his longest letter that we have in the New Testament. And this letter kind of serves as almost a theological introduction and teaching. And he writes this to the church, knowing that they're going to keep reading it and keep studying it. And so in uh, about the middle of the letter, he writes this. 
He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? He says, if all these things happen, does that mean that you have been separated from Christ's love? Because that's the perspective of the other four postures. The other four postures say that if we experience these things, if we experience calamity, uh, sorrow, persecution, if we experience danger, we have done something to remove us from God's love. And so Paul is addressing that in this letter. And he goes on, he answers the question himself. He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Now, Paul experienced most of the things on that last slide in that last verse. Paul experienced persecution. He experienced being destitute. He experienced great sorrow, being imprisoned. And ultimately, Paul's faith in Christ led to his death and he was executed as a martyr for his beliefs. But he knew All along, and it's the message he told the church constantly, nothing will separate you from God's love. And so that when we recognize that that we will never be separated no matter what we experience, it means that when there is danger in life, there is a different path we can take. If we pull up this diagram again, we realize that when danger happens, instead of fear causing us to seek control, When we recognize God's love for us, we can choose to surrender our need for control in that moment and trust that God is with us. And our safety in that time period comes from knowing that God is with us in all situations. And when we experience God's love in difficult situations, it can't help but to grow our faith, to grow our trust from experience that God will not abandon and leave us even in our darkest moments. And so even though there's this cycle of fear that we can get trapped in, we can shortcut it and exit it and move into a cycle of faith where as we experience life with God, it leads us deeper into God's presence and leads us to an easier experience of the next time something happens in our lives, we can roll with it and be more flexible and understand that the bigger picture, that victory that Paul assured us of, It is not contingent upon our immediate circumstances. And see, that leads us to when we experience life with God, we start to experience life with faith. Now, faith is not blindly believing. Faith is not blindly trusting. Faith is an informed trust. In fact, we know that we can trust God. And yes, it is a step of faith. It is a step of trust, of choosing to place our trust. But our trust can be informed. It can be informed by our experiences. It can be informed by each other. And it is informed by Scripture. The Bible, the Old and New Testament, tell us how God's people, how people understood God in their time, in their moment in history. And we can learn from that and we can see how God speaks through his word to us even today to let us know and reassure us that we will not be separated from God. 
And when we gather as a community, and we've talked uh, many times over this last year about how the church is not a building or an event, it's the assembly of people with a common purpose. And so right now, as we gather online, as we come back to scripture, as we sing songs of worship, as we you know, connect with one another outside of Sunday morning, as a community of faith, we remind each other and encourage one another of God's love for us. That's why when the church does gather, we devote ourselves to proclaiming God's goodness, to speaking from his word, to reminding ourselves that God is with us. And when we do that as a church, we are carrying on a tradition that has continued for 2,000 years of when the followers of Jesus gather together as people who are curious, as people with doubts, as people with questions, as people with fears, when we look to one another and we look to God, we join into this experience together of reminding ourselves of what life with God is like. And so if we go to, I want to go to one of the little letters near the end of the New Testament. And this letter was written by one of Jesus' disciples, written by John, who, you know, they were the disciples. And after the Holy Spirit arrived at Pentecost, they were given a new title. They were given, they were called the apostles. And each of the apostles did incredible things for God's kingdom of leading people into a relationship with Jesus. And tradition tells us that John, in fact, is the only of the apostles to experience a natural death. All the others were martyred for their faith because the message that they were giving threatened the nations and empires of the day. And so John writes this letter to a church that is uh, experiencing this, this issue around false teaching. There are people trying to pervert God's word and God's message for their own gain. And what John does is typical of all the New Testament letters. He calls the church and the individuals he's writing to to return to their faith in Jesus. And he begins his letter after the opening with this statement. He says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. He says, we do not have to fear and be afraid of God. Now there is a phrase that comes up time and time again in scripture where it says to fear God. And what that actually means is to have reverence for God, to recognize God's power and his majesty and his might, his sovereignty but it is not an afraid of God. It is a reverence of God and who he is. But John is telling the church that even in your reverence, even in our awe of who God is, God is light and there is no darkness at all. There is nothing to be scared of as we are with God. And then after he spends time addressing these false teachings that are popping up in the church, he ends his letter with a call back to love. He says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. See, as a community of faith, as followers of Jesus, as people who walk with one another through difficult situations, through difficult circumstances, through questions of doubt, now, there is no time in scripture where doubt is ever looked at poorly and negative. That is a connotation that we have added to scripture that does not exist in scripture. But when we walk together, when we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to a full expression in us. That is the love that calls people that when we experience difficult situations, instead of trying to wrestle control over the world, instead, 
we can choose to trust and surrender that need for control over to God, to experience the safety of knowing that God is with us in every circumstance. Now, that doesn't mean that we just go at this alone. It means that we rely on one another. It means we rely on professional help and support and counselors and doctors and, and people who have given their lives to de- and dedicated their lives to helping one another. We rely on all those things together as we trust in God, as we give up our need to control every variable and every circumstance. Because when we do that together as a community, we become what John talks about here, that full expression of God as a community, as people who are united together in faith. And so when we experience this life with God, this fifth posture that is based on God's love for us, based on treasuring God, based on recognizing the relationship with God, we begin to live our lives with a deep and sustaining faith that is based upon God's love for us. This is a perspective of faith, and this is a way of living out our faith that is not scared of the world, is not scared of circumstances, but rather says, no matter what happens, God is with us. Now, this book, With, I read uh, when it first came out nearly 10 years ago. And we did a sermon series on this book back in about 2016. And we're going back through this again because this understanding of being with God through every circumstance, through every journey, through every moment is such an amazing fulfillment and an amazing example of what Jesus actually came to do. And one of the things that, that I always encourage people to do when, when someone will say, you know, where, where should I read in Scripture? I always say, go to the Gospels. Go to the Gospels, the four accounts, the four viewpoints we have on Jesus' life and ministry. Because in Jesus, we see this relationship with God lived out continually. And on top of that, we see how Jesus lived his life in relationship with his disciples, with the, the crowds he encountered, with the people, even the Pharisees and religious leaders, one of whom named Nicodemus comes to him in the middle of the night under the cover of darkness to ask questions because he recognizes that Jesus has a relationship with God that no one else has, and he wants that. This is what life with God leads us to. Life with God leads us into this full expression of what God was creating and this bigger narrative throughout Scripture that God is unveiling through Jesus coming into the world. So my prayer for you this week, and what I hope is your prayer for yourself and those around you as well, is that we would come into this fullness of life with God, that we would let go of our default postures, and that as we experience God's love, we would come to this deep and sustaining faith that endures all things. Thanks for being here and joining us today for online service. Next week, we will be wrapping up this series by talking about what it means to have life with hope. So hope you have a great Sunday and we'll see you online next week.